0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. And I'm
0: Carter Roy. Welcome to Historical Figures, formerly known as Remarkable Lives, Tragic Deaths. Every Wednesday, we discuss a different person's lasting historical impact, unique personality, and impression on the world around them.
1: Our audio biographies cover big lives, but we like to focus on little-known facts. Today, we're discussing Confucius. Ancient Chinese philosopher, founder of Confucianism, and historical proof that sometimes, when you think you failed, you're actually wildly successful. In American culture, Confucius is most commonly known as the butt of racist jokes and internet memes about a wise old man.
0: But in Chinese culture, Confucius is much more than just a wise old man.
1: Though he was at one point a wise old man, many people admire Confucius for his acerbic wit and deft cultural commentary.
0: Over 2,500 years after Confucius lived, a little less than 1% of the world, roughly 6 million people throughout China, Korea, Taiwan, Australia, and even Northern Europe, actively follow his tenets today.
1: Confucius influenced Chinese culture like no other thinker, promoting ideals of harmony and order in a time of chaos.
0: He's such a revered symbol of wisdom that people constantly quote Confucius with lines he probably never said. He is the master of misattributed quotes.
1: We can guarantee at least one of your Facebook friends has shared an incorrect Confucius quote.
0: And another one probably shared a correct Confucius quote. Well, at least it looks correct. How do we know what Confucius really said?
1: Today, we try to figure it out.
0: Before we get into Confucius's story, there's one thing we must address. Confucius lived over 2,500 years ago. He's been popular and unpopular, but always well-known for that entire period. So a lot of his life has given way to legends and apocrypha.
1: Right, we're dealing with ancient, ancient records, older than the Bible, and the human tendency to conflate fabulous stories about our heroes.
0: Because of this, accounts of Confucius often contradict each other, and some parts of his life are just fuzzy.
1: For example, historians are pretty sure Confucius had a wife. Confucius's son, Boyu, and daughter are mentioned in many accounts, most notably the Analects, which are the earliest recorded source of Confucian philosophy. And because he had a son, everyone traditionally thinks he had a wife. But that's literally all we know about her. There are no historical mentions of his wife otherwise. She doesn't even get a name. Mm, ouch. Yeah, with that in mind, we'll try to point out contradictions, things that might just be legends, and missing material in Confucius' life as we come across them.
0: We will. To further note, some legends about Confucius are so extravagant that some people theorize that Confucius never existed. Wow. But... We think he did. We just can't be 100% positive about what the specifics of his existence entailed, since even the earliest biography of Confucius, written by Mencius, was published 100 years after his death. The only semi-contemporary accounts are the aphorisms quoted by his followers and later compiled as the Analects this is the list we mentioned before, of things Confucius most likely actually said. Yes. And here's what Confucius says in the Analects about his life. Quote, When I was 15, I set my heart on learning. At 30, I took my stand. At 40, I was without confusion. At 50, I knew the command of heaven. At 60, I heard it with a compliant ear. At 70, I follow the desires of my heart and do not overstep the bounds. We'll use this as a guideline to follow the life of Confucius.
1: In Chinese art, age denotes wisdom, which is why most images of Confucius portray him as a wrinkled, bearded man. But as a real person, he had a childhood. Confucius was born into a wild time, known to historians as the Spring and Autumn period. Though the Zhou dynasty had technically ruled since 1045 BC, The Zhou began losing power in 771 BC. In 609 BC, three clans, the Hmong, the Shu, and the Ji, conspired to murder two young Zhou dynasty heirs to the throne. They replaced him with a new ruler, the Duke of Lu. But the Duke of Lu was a puppet controlled by the three clans, all of whom wanted power for themselves. Oh, kind of like Game of Thrones. Exactly. One member of a leading clan tested his new swords on the servants. Another shot arrows at peasants for fun. It's reported that so many people had their feet mutilated in a brutal form of punishment that merchants would sell specialized footwear, and most peasants were conscripted into war.
0: In this dangerous, chaotic time, Shul Yong hee a man born into an aristocratic clan but with no fortune, succeeded as a military official serving the Hmong clan. He'd had a full life. Some say he had two wives and many daughters. But as he neared 70, all Xu Yang
1: wanted was a son. As in most ancient societies, sons were preferred over daughters. And in China, this was especially true, because when a woman married, she'd leave to join her husband's clan. But a son would always remain part of his father's clan.
0: So, seeking a son, Xu Yang prayed at a sacred mountain. Then, in the state of Lu, near present-day Chufu, he met Yan Shangzai, a peasant woman. She was below his station, and some sources state she was his concubine. Others say it was just a fling. Biographer Sima Qian describes a wild union between Shu Yang and Yan, which in 551 BC led to the birth of a son.
1: His name was Kong Si, which was anglicized to Confucius.
0: Tradition has it that Confucius was born on the 27th day of the 8th lunar month. That's September 28th
1: here in the U.S.
0: That day is still widely observed as Confucius' birthday in East Asia and the national holiday of Teacher's Day in Taiwan. But historians question its accuracy.
1: What they don't question is that Confucius was raised without a father. Liang died in 549 B.C. This left little Confucius in an awkward position.
0: In China at the time, there were three classes. At the top, the aristocracy, clans like the Meng, Ji, and Shu, who held most of the money and power. Below them, the Shu, scholars with status and education, but little power or money. Most people were part of the third class, peasants, who had nothing. Confucius's father was a Shu, and his mother a peasant.
1: After Confucius' father, Xu Liang died when he was a toddler, Xu Liang's other wives and children were unfriendly to Confucius due to his lower status and, very likely, envy. They didn't even invite him or his mother to the funeral.
0: So even though he was the much-desired only son, he was not raised in his father's household.
1: Confucius described growing up as, quote, "...in my youth I was poor." He was raised by a single peasant mother, but his dead father's status and his mother's eagerness to give her son a good life afforded Confucius education.
0: Members of the shu were traditionally educated by former government officials, so they could grow up to be the next generation of government officials.
1: In Chinese culture, education was actually prized over military service.
0: Here's where we get to the first part of that quote from Confucius about his life. When I was 15, I set my heart on learning.
1: Confucius was taught reading, writing, math, history, conduct, and what he loved best, rituals.
0: Some sources say that instead of playing with toys, he performed traditional rituals with cups. And other sources say his mom made him perform rituals instead of playing with toys because she wanted him to succeed. Regardless of whose idea it was, some of the traditional ancestor reverence rituals that Confucius learned are still performed by Confucians today.
1: In addition to rituals, in his youth, Confucius learned two important things that influenced his later teaching. One, humanity's job is to keep the balance between the two main forces at play in the universe.
0: According to the scholar Martin Palmer, these forces were, one, heaven, often represented by a dragon, and two, earth, often represented by a phoenix. These two natural forces were constantly in a dance of power, each trying to overcome the other.
1: Rituals and offerings helped maintain the harmony between heaven and earth. Along these lines, Confucius was taught the mandate of heaven, a law of the universe giving rulers the divine right to rule, so long as they rule virtuously. If a ruler was not virtuous, heaven would take away their right to rule, manifesting in floods and fires, and the divine right to rule would be given to another leader.
0: So, if there's an unusual number of natural disasters in a given year...
1: It's time for a new leadership, yes. Of course, in Confucius' lifetime, the rulers didn't seem divine or virtuous at all.
0: Well, that's where we get to the second important thing Confucius learned, the early history of the Zhou dynasty. Confucius was particularly fascinated with the Duke of Zhou, a.k.a. Dan.
1: In the 11th century BC, the Duke of Zhou helped his father, Wen, and brother Wu follow the mandate of heaven to oust a corrupt ruler and found the Zhou dynasty. The Duke's brother, Emperor Wu, ruled a kingdom in part of Shaanxi province, which is known as the Cradle of Chinese Civilization. Emperor Wu was a good and virtuous ruler, and the Duke of Zhou was proud to serve as his advisor. However, Emperor Wu died young, when his son and heir was not yet of age. The Duke of Zhou was declared regent. As regent, it would have been easy for the Duke to take over the kingdom, but he was a good and virtuous man. He held to his promise and respected that his nephew was chosen by heaven to rule. When his nephew came of age, the Duke of Joe set down the reins and ensured the rightful ruler had full power. Mm, What a good guy. Right? Confucius admired that the early Zhou were noble rulers, something he hadn't seen in his lifetime. The Duke of Joe became Confucius's idol. He references the Duke of Joe multiple times in the Analects.
0: And this admiration started immediately after learning about the Duke of Joe.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. In Confucius' time, the rulers of Lu, that is, the Dukes of Lu, were descendants of the Duke of Zhou's family genetically, but not spiritually. In 537 BC, the Ji clan wrestled hold of half of China, and the Meng and Shu clans split the other half. This current Duke of Lu may have had the mandate of heaven, but he didn't have any real-world power. He was just another puppet ruler, nothing noble there.
0: Confucius determined that the ancient rites had been corrupted, that society needed more ritual, and the only way to improve society was to improve the leaders. Mm,
1: Sort of like very early trickle-down economics, but with morality. Mm.
0: Within the story of the Duke of Zhou, Confucius found his life's mission, to turn the capricious, violent rulers of the current Zhou dynasty into just and virtuous leaders.
1: Our story will continue in a moment after the break.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Of course, you can't just walk up to powerful leaders and tell them to change their entire philosophy. Confucius had to work his way up to achieve some status. So, at 20, he got a job managing grain stores for the G-Clan. Confucius believed in the importance of order and hierarchy, that every job is important and should be done with the utmost care and respect.
1: So he did his best, even as a lowly grain counter.
0: To be fair, at the time, grain was used as money. So Confucius was more like a banker or accountant.
1: Still far from his dreams, though. Around this time is when historians think Confucius got married and had his children.
0: But like we said before, we can only guess. We do know that raising a family and holding a low-level government job was not fulfilling for Confucius. So he started teaching. Since he'd been educated, he was qualified to teach younger men about being shu, passing forward the education he'd been afforded.
1: And within that, Confucius started to teach his own ideas.
0: Confucius was a charismatic teacher, and soon found he held sway over the men he taught, notably Ren Qiu and Qi Gong, early Confucians who came up several times in the Analects. They were some of his first disciples.
1: Of course, these guys were the same status as Confucius and had no power or influence of their own.
0: And speaking of people with no power, it was around this time that Confucius's mother died.
1: Confucius was devastated, and in his grief, he wanted to do something special to honor his mother. So in addition to the three years of mourning, which was traditional in Chinese culture at the time, he decided to give her a special burial right next to his father,
0: Mm, awkward, since Confucius' father is said to have had two legitimate wives, and Confucius' mother wasn't one of them.
1: And since Confucius's mother was a peasant.
0: And Confucius didn't know where his father was buried, since he and his mother hadn't been invited to the funeral or to visit the grave.
1: But his familial reverence conquered all these obstacles. He learned his father's burial site and had his mother interred next to him.
0: Clearly, Confucius practiced what he preached when it came to family.
1: Well, not exactly. Shortly after he made that immense effort to honor his beloved mother, he left his wife and children to travel with his followers in pursuit of knowledge and a way to change the hearts of China's leaders.
0: Here's where we get to the next part of that quote. At 30, I took my stand.
1: That is, he began to actively pursue his goal of transforming China.
0: In his travels, Confucius stopped to read in every library.
1: Paper hadn't been invented yet, but literature was recorded on bamboo carvings.
0: Confucius always wanted to learn more, especially about the early days of the Zhou dynasty. He was particularly drawn to the Book of Poems, the Book of Songs, and the Book of Documents.
1: During this time, Confucius became interested in the term Junzi, meaning the son of a ruler. He appropriated the term and decided that, for his purposes, it meant a morally perfect person. Confucius and all of his followers aspired to become Junzi. And Confucius was getting more followers. He ended up with about 70 dedicated students. He didn't just accept young shu men, but anyone who wanted to follow him and aspire to be a better person. Even wild Zulu, a brash militaristic man who, when he met Confucius, claimed he was most fond of his sword, Confucius told Zulu that by adding education to his swordsmanship, he'd become a superior man. Zulu scoffed at this, until Confucius explained how a man with a sword could sharpen bamboo to pierce a rhino's hide, but a man with education could make an arrow that would pierce the hide twice as deeply. From then on, Zulu followed Confucius. He also accepted
0: a peasant named Yan Hui. Many of Confucius's other followers didn't like Yan Hui at first. He was quiet and perceived to be, um, well, one of the less vibrant crayons in the box.
1: So it was quite a shock when Confucius declared Yan Hui to be his favorite student.
0: In the Analects, Confucius explained... What was unique to Yan Hui was his capacity for attention whenever one spoke to him. And later he said, How admirable is Yan Hui! A handful of rice to eat, a gourd to drink, a hovel for your shelter. No one would endure such misery. Yet Yan Hui's joy remained unaltered.
1: Sounds like the beginning of a pretty great bromance. (laughs) Definitely. As we see from accepting disciples like Yan Hui and Zulu, Confucius believed he could learn from anyone, even the poorest man.
0: Now is probably a good time to talk about what exactly Confucius was teaching these young men.
1: Exactly. Confucius taught the way, or the truth, with five basic virtues.
0: There's ren, which is altruism and benevolence. Yi, that's righteousness or justice. Li, proper rituals. Ji, or knowledge and education. And Xin, integrity.
1: Like we mentioned before, Confucius loved ritual. He had ideas of how ritual should be properly carried out. Everything from how to keep one's appearance, how to dress, which customs to follow, proper etiquette in a variety of social situations. Mm.
0: Following Confucius sounds a lot like doing cotillion.
1: (laughs) Basically. Confucius taught courtesy and morality, and believed following the proper rituals would have positive effects on all aspects of a person's behavior. For example, if you took the time to clasp your hands in front of you and bow to greet someone, you put yourself in a state of mind where you're thinking about others, so you were much less likely to be inconsiderate or inconvenience someone.
0: It was all about mindset. If you use ritual to create virtuous feelings inside yourself, it would lead you to virtuous action, making you a virtuous being. Mm
1: -hmm. Sort of an outside-in approach.
0: And like your cotillion instructor, Confucius was a stickler for detail. He wouldn't even sit on a mat unless it was completely straight.
1: Confucius was criticized for his strict attention to ritual and detail in his time, and he's still criticized for it today.
0: Not that he was no fun, ever. Though Confucius was characterized as having a stern expression and a brisk pace, he was also described as affable, with a good sense of humor. He enjoyed playing the zither and the sounding chimes, which he believed helped one find harmony with oneself and the universe.
1: He liked swimming in the river and singing with his friends.
0: But he believed men should not devote time to personal gain or immoderate action.
1: Yeah, strict but nice sounds about right.
0: And a lot of what Confucius was teaching was a new spin on traditional culture.
1: Right. He called himself a translator of the ancient ways. But he was also an innovator, bringing in new life and innovation to ancient practices and ideas.
0: Exactly. Like with ancestor worship.
1: Right. The Chinese traditionally held reverence for their deceased ancestors. And many of Confucius's beloved rituals were aimed at continuing this honor of one's ancestors.
0: But Confucius shifted the emphasis from honoring dead ancestors to honoring living ones. He preached that people should develop relationships with their parents, not with objects, and cultivate a state of mind full of love for the people around you.
1: Not that ancestor worship wasn't still important. Confucius aimed to honor the ancestors as well as one's living parents.
0: When Zulu asked Confucius how to serve the spirits, Confucius said, You are not yet able to serve men. How could you serve the spirits? This is an example of Confucius's humor and wit. He was chiding Zulu for honoring the dead while ignoring the living.
1: Right, many modern day Confucians see Confucius like an ancient John Oliver, a man who informed and educated with a healthy dose of sharp-tongued humor.
0: Another part of ancient Chinese culture Confucius addressed was family hierarchy. Confucius took inspiration from the relationships within a family for his teachings about society. In a family, everyone has a clear place and established relationships. And in Chinese culture, these relationships are very specific. Fathers are the top, followed by obedient wives, and lastly, children, who obey both the mother and father. All members have mutual responsibility to each other. In Confucius's eyes, that meant loyalty, honesty, duty, respect, and the responsibility to love each other.
1: This, of course, is a bit ironic, since it appears he abandoned his own family. But that brings us to another Confucian idea, thinking for oneself. Basically, a person should be able to consider and judge the most moral way to behave in all situations. While rules are strict for ritual, they're less strict for daily life.
0: And one of his major guidelines for that was Shu, which translates to reciprocity or empathy.
1: This came about when Jiugong asked him, Is there any one word that could guide a person throughout life? The master replied, How about shu? Never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself.
0: Well, this idea comes up in many cultures, and it seems like pretty sound advice.
1: Mm, Yeah, Confucius was also big on the importance of humans as humans and our capacity for self-improvement. He had a lot of respect for others.
0: Yeah, no matter who you were, in Confucius's eyes, you could live a good life. And you could find that goodness through wisdom.
1: I can see why this appeals to so many people.
0: Oh, and there's one more Confucian teaching we want to touch on. The teaching that drove Confucius to seek government influence. The idea that society should be ruled by the virtuous, not the elite.
1: Sort of starting with the mandate of heaven, then taking it a step further, he believed any man, if he was noble and good, should be able to become an authority figure.
0: He said, quote, If a man can steer his own life straight, the tasks of government should be no problem for him. But if he cannot steer his own life straight, how could he steer other people straight?
1: Emphasis on man. Like most ancient thinkers, Confucius didn't want women to have any power, and the expectation for a woman under Confucius's teachings was to just do whatever her husband told her to, which was the norm in ancient China before and after Confucius, too.
0: Obedience and hierarchy were big in Confucius's eyes. He thought a ruler should set an example for the people like a father does for his son.
1: Mm, Ah, going back to the family again. Yep.
0: It was essentially, as you said, trickle-down economics, but for morality. Confucius once said, an oppressive government is worse than a man-eating tiger.
1: If Confucius could just get the ears of China's leaders and teach them how to live, he could change all of China.
0: We'll return to our story in just a moment from the ParCast Network.
1: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt.
0: One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective.
1: To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Now the story continues.
0: Confucius said, If a ruler could employ me, in one year I would make things work, and in three years the results would show.
1: This is all well and good in theory, but in practice it didn't work out so well for Confucius. The Zhou dynasty continued its decline through the spring and autumn period, China remained dangerous and unstable.
0: In 517 BC, the Duke of Lu, Duke Chao,
1: who, if you recall, was just a figurehead while the Ji clan actually ruled.
0: Yes, in 517 BC, Duke Chao attacked the Ji clan, was defeated, and promptly exiled.
1: This upset Confucius, so he decided to leave Lu too. Maybe he could get an advisor job for another state's elite leader.
0: However, this was going to be difficult. You see, Confucius came off as blunt and arrogant. No one, besides his 70 to 3,000 followers, depending on what source you go with, took him seriously.
1: To government officials, he was an outsider. That sharp tongue was seen as annoying, his ideas were seen as unimportant, and he was typically turned away.
0: So, at 40, he still didn't have that government job.
1: But Confucius himself said of the time, At 40, I was without confusion.
0: Well, he probably said that after he learned about Duke Jing of Qi.
1: You may have heard of Duke Jing. He's famous for being buried with 600 of his horses. Mm,
0: Pretty powerful guy.
1: Yeah, to show this power, Duke Jing performed a ritual only the Son of Heaven, which was still technically the Duke of Lu, could perform. Seeing this potential power in an individual he perceived as unsavory, Confucius sought to test his luck with Duke Jing, And finally, Confucius was granted an audience with a powerful man.
0: Confucius met with Duke Jing and explained his beliefs, and the duke listened.
1: Duke Jing was a great listener. Unfortunately, he wasn't so great at taking action. Duke Jing continued with his less-than-moral ways, and Confucius was foiled again.
0: So, in 509 BC, Confucius returned to Lu. The Ji clan was still in charge, with a new and improved puppet leader, Duke Ding.
1: Could Confucius get his attention? No. Once again, everyone in power ignored what Confucius had to say and continued their fighting.
0: In 505 BC, a Ji officer named Yang Ho seized control of Lu for himself. Yang Ho set himself up as the new ruler, and he thought Confucius was worth talking to.
1: Sadly, the feeling wasn't mutual. Confucius was not a fan of Yang Ho, he politely declined.
0: So Confucius spends all this time trying to get a position with some influence. He gets offered one, he turns it down, and what does he do after that? He turns down another job offer.
1: Crazy, right? In 502 BC, the newest leader of the state of Lu, Gonshan Farao, presented a more tempting offer, but Confucius said no again.
0: At least there was a lot of turnover in leadership. At this rate, someone decent's gotta come along eventually.
1: Really, Confucius was playing hard to get. And weirdly enough, it worked. In 501 BC, the G-Clan, who were still one of the major power player families in China...
0: Think the Lannisters. Mm-hmm,
1: ...offered Confucius a job as a ceremonial advisor. Apparently they'd heard he was desirable and wanted him for themselves.
0: Well, here's where we get the next part of Confucius's life story quote. At 50, I knew the command of heaven. Working directly for the clan with actual political power, Confucius knew the people who heaven had commanded to rule. It was his time to shine. Not quite. All the G clan wanted to do was take Confucius away from their enemies. They didn't give him anything to do. Sure, he had a lofty title, but he had no real responsibility or influence.
1: Definitely a letdown. Now in his early 50s, Confucius was getting a little fed up. Since his services weren't being used, he left.
0: If you're struggling to hold down a job, don't worry. Confucius had the same
1: problem. In 497 BC, after leaving the Ji family's employ, Confucius went into a self-imposed exile, wandering China with his followers for 13 years.
0: He spent some time in Wei, that's in central China, hoping to find a job. After nearly a year in Wei, he met with the duke's wife, Nanzi, who had an unsavory reputation. Well, it's not clear what went down with Confucius and Nanzi, but according to the Analects, Confucius's follower Zulu was not happy about this meeting.
1: We can only imagine the conversation between a moral sage and cheating wife looking to use him for her own gain.
0: But after this, Confucius was able to speak to Duke Ling, who Confucius quickly decided he didn't like. And Duke Ling asked Confucius about military tactics, and Confucius, offended, said he knew nothing of the topic and left the next day.
1: Confucius was a pacifist. He actually knew a bit about military tactics, but had no interest in discussing them. He took this as a sign that Duke Ling didn't see his value and it would be working for the Ji family all over again or worse.
0: So Confucius continued traveling China. Stories about this time involve Confucius and his followers being attacked, beaten, and nearly starved to death in pursuit of their mission.
1: There's one popular, though less verified, story we liked that exemplifies this period.
0: In the town of Quang, Confucius and his followers were attacked by an angry mob. Even worse, his favorite disciple, Yan Hui, was nowhere to be found.
1: Surrounded, Confucius had no way out. He was imprisoned and feared for his life.
0: So he did what he did best. He said something wise.
1: Confucius said... After King Wen died, his way of truth, including the rules of propriety, are all within me, aren't they? If heaven had wished to destroy this way of truth, it would not have allowed me to learn it. If heaven does not intend to let it perish, there is nothing the people of Kuang can do to me, isn't it?
0: Basically, as long as he clung to his morals, he was invincible.
1: Yan Hui, though, maybe not so much. He was still missing. Confucius was worried. Though they called him Heaven's Wooden Bell, that drove men to action, he'd never thought he'd anger anyone this much.
0: But shortly after, Confucius was released. It turns out, Confucius hadn't even done anything. Confucius apparently looked a lot like Yang Ho. Remember, that's one of the warlords Confucius refused to serve, who, in his machinations for power, had taken
1: some captives from Quang. Released, Confucius set about mourning his lost friend, Yan Hui, and later, Confucius and the disciples he could find decided to leave the city.
0: On the way out, who should show up but Yan Hui? In a joyous reunion, Confucius explained he thought Yan Hui was dead. Yan Hui replied, with you, master, still alive, how would I dare to die?
1: I know that sounds like a line from a Nicholas Sparks book, but that last quote is straight out of the Analects. Talk about a bromance uh,
0: speaking of the analects all these trials forced confucius and his followers into debate they engaged in intense and sardonic intellectual discussions during this time the roots of what was eventually recorded in the analects
1: then he went to chen where they ran out of supplies
0: well, some accounts say that they were famished to the point of being little more than bones but again Confucius was able to get them out of a tight spot, and they continued their travels.
1: Confucius traveled all over northeastern and central China, stopping in Song, Zhang, Cao, Shu, Qi, and Sai. He continued looking for political influence, but instead, he simply amassed followers.
0: Confucius's reputation as a sage spread during this 13-year period, and though he wasn't able to affect change on the elite level, He did help many peasants, and his followers were able to move forward on the mission as well. Both Chu Gong and Ran Chu found government jobs in Lu
1: during this time. Confucius reflected on these journeys, believing they brought him much wisdom. In that quote from the beginning, he says, At 60, I heard it with a compliant ear, it being the command of heaven. And in his 60s, he finally held a job that he liked. About time. In 484 BC, Confucius spent some time advising government officer Kong Yu. Confucius said, in the Analects, that Kong Yu was quick and eager to learn and not afraid to ask for advice. However, historians say that Kong Yu was still a selfish and temperamental man.
0: So it looks like Confucius finally found somebody he could help.
1: You'd think that. However, Confucius heard Kong Yu threaten to fight his son-in-law after finding out he was cheating on his daughter. This familial disrespect spurred Confucius to leave, and it helped that he received an invitation to return to Lu around that time.
0: From his old follower, Ran Chu, now working for the Ji clan.
1: Confucius was back in Lu, in his 60s, ready to take one more stab at changing his home state.
0: And with Ran Chu in a position of power to help him, you'd think he'd be unstoppable.
1: But he was actually very, very stoppable. Ran Chu lacked the bravery and fortitude to truly stand up to the Ji clan. So nothing changed.
0: The backstabbing and murder surrounding positions of power in China continued. In 481 BC, royal counselor Chen Hang murdered Duke Jian of Qi. Confucius was righteously appalled at this rampant disregard for the mandate of heaven.
1: He went to Duke Ai. Backstory on this. Soon after arriving, Confucius struck up a relationship with Duke Ai, Lu's latest puppet ruler. Duke Ai had no real power, so the two were basically just bros hanging out. But talking to the Duke allowed Confucius to work out more of his ideas, and much of this was recorded in the Analects. Backstory over.
0: After the coup in Qi, Confucius tried to convince Duke Ai to attack or denounce Qi, openly showing that this behavior was frowned upon. But Duke Ai insisted his hands were tied and told Confucius to talk to the three clans. That's the Hmong, the Ji, and the Shu. Confucius talked to all of those guys and was, you guessed it, ignored. What could he do? Confucius had faced a lifetime of being ignored by those in power, and no matter what he tried, nothing seemed to change.
1: Well, one thing changed. Confucius was getting as old as he looks in those paintings, and so were his followers.
0: Confucius said, in respect to his limitations, At 70, I follow the desires of my heart and do not overstep the bounds.
1: But that peace was brief. In fairly quick succession, Confucius's son, Boyu, his follower, Zulu, and his beloved disciple, Yan Hui died. Though all these losses were painful, Yan Hui's death destroyed Confucius.
0: There's no record of how Confucius reacted to his own son's death. But when Yan Hui died, it was a big deal. Confucius wept with rage, crying out, Heaven is destroying me, Heaven is destroying me. He was so emotional, his followers said he was going too far. Confucius retorted, Have I? If not for this man, for whom should I show so much sorrow?
1: Confucius said Yan Hui was the closest to being Jinza, closer even than Confucius himself. Imagine losing a great friend and the pinnacle of your life's work at the same time. That's what this was like for Confucius.
0: Yan Hui's father offered to sell his carriage to give Yan Hui a proper burial, and Confucius' followers insisted on a lavish funeral. But for Confucius, that meant nothing. No amount of material goods could properly express the depth of his loss
1: whether Yan Hui had an elaborate funeral or was just mourned by a few friends the loss confucius felt would be the same
0: this loss compounded confucius's increased feelings of being unfulfilled hitting his early 70s he defected zero change in the government and the three clans still warred over eastern china it seemed endless The Warring States period, where seven different powers fought over China, began in 481 B.C. and would last for over a century. And, to make things worse, Confucius became ill.
1: In 479 B.C., Confucius died at the age of 73. He died feeling unfulfilled. Though he lived a good life, Confucius thought he had failed on his great mission. He hadn't changed China's leadership. Yet. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, he hadn't changed China's leadership yet. After his death, Confucius's teachings lived on through his students. They lived out his ideals and passed around recordings of his teachings, which became the Analects. They did this for centuries, biding their time. And after 300 years, the Han Dynasty reunited China.
1: The first emperor of the Han Dynasty, Emperor Gao Zhu, rose to power from humble origins as a peasant. And what better way to legitimize his rebellion against the elites than by Confucianism, which taught that the most moral man should lead.
0: That's right. Confucianism legitimized the Han Dynasty and became its official policy. Emperor Gao Zhu would rule by virtue.
1: And it paid off. Under the Han Dynasty, China returned to stability it hadn't seen in centuries. It became the largest empire in China to that date. The Silk Road was founded, opening up a flourishing trade throughout Europe and China. Pottery and paper were invented and spread along the Silk Road.
0: Many call the Han Dynasty period the Golden Age of China.
1: We can't say it was entirely due to Confucius. But we can't say it wasn't. Well, we can't say that, but Confucius can. Confucius said, it is men that make the way great. It is not the way that makes men great. He heralded humanity's power over philosophy. He was the teacher, but it was the people of the Han dynasty who made Confucianism great.
0: Though in that era's history book, Records of the Grand Historian by Sima Qian, Confucius was heralded as an exemplary thinker. This is when Confucius first became a historical figure.
1: From the Han Dynasty onwards, he was taught in schools. Education is central to Confucianism, and so everyone became educated, especially those in civil service.
0: The exact people Confucius tried to educate in his lifetime.
1: Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, a top-down structure based on respect, obedience, and fulfilling one's spot in the hierarchy is a pretty perfect dogma for a powerful empire.
0: And so, for 24 centuries, even long after the Han Dynasty, people in China followed Confucianism and quoted Confucius to each other with varying levels of accuracy. And soon, Confucianism spread all over the world.
1: It spread to Korea, Vietnam, and Taiwan. And when Chinese and Vietnamese people immigrated to the US, Australia, and Europe, it spread even farther.
0: Confucianism has been a huge part of Chinese culture but not always viewed as a positive aspect by China's leaders.
1: In the 1960s, Confucius was declared an enemy of the state.
0: How's that for the government not paying attention to him?
1: The new communist leader, Mao Zedong, instructed citizens to smash all old culture.
0: In fact, Mao and his wife, Jiang Qing, started the anti-Lin Biao, anti-Confucius campaign, which aimed to replace traditional Chinese philosophy with communist ideals.
1: In order to take over China, Mao Zedong had to take over Confucius. Confucian temples across China were destroyed, and the master's grave was dug up and desecrated.
0: 2,000 years after his death, the government was very concerned with Confucius, just maybe not the way he had hoped for.
1: And yet, they couldn't eliminate him. Confucianism is embedded within Chinese culture. It wouldn't die.
0: In the early 2000s, Confucius was no longer an enemy of the state. Though China's relationship with Confucius was, and remains, complicated, his teachings of harmony and respect, order and education, saw a renaissance in China.
1: Confucian academies opened up, and people began sending their kids to them.
0: To this day, Chinese and Taiwanese kids are learning from Confucius. Those schools teach the six arts, archery, calligraphy, computation, music, chariot driving, and ritual.
1: The current president of China, Xi Jinping, though still a communist like Mao Zedong, has embraced Confucius, even quoting him in public speeches.
0: Confucius influenced millions of lives, and he still inspires those who fight against bloodshed and tyranny.
1: The teacher of 10,000 generations, Confucius is now as he has always been a hero. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Historical Figures.
0: To listen to any previous episodes of Historical Figures, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify, or on our website, parcast.com, spelled P-A-R-C-A-S-T.com. A new episode drops every Wednesday, but if you subscribe, you don't have to remember
1: that. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It
0: seems simple, but it really helps our show.
1: We'll see you next time. Historical Figures was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Joel Stein. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Historical Figures is written by Maggie Admire and stars Vanessa Richardson and Carter Roy.